scripture and once again we're going to be uh, enjoying just this little video clip of a passage from Luke chapter 6 and just verses 43 through to 49. Thank you. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrents struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed. And its destruction was complete. Well, the last time I ministered, um, I was in the, in the previous verses, actually, uh, with that verse, give and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And what we, we realized and what I opened up to you then was the fact that Jesus was a radical. He was teaching stuff that was so contrary to the social and the religious standards of his day that it literally was earth-shaking. He was calling people to a lifestyle that required a level of commitment that was outside the normal parameters. You see, the, the Jewish religion of his day, dominated by... Pharisees and scribes and dominated by the law was a constricting thing that saw everything in terms of what you did. Yet, instead of doing the minimum, Jesus would say, give and it will be given to you. Out of your poverty, give. Go the extra mile. Don't go chasing debts, forgive them. Love your enemies and bless those who seek to harm you. This was radical. To, oh, quite frankly, it's radical today, isn't it? Particularly, he taught about the Sabbath being God's gift to man, not man's legal responsibility to God. I think, Pastor Graham, have you covered that or are you coming up to cover that? Somewhere in the, in the near future. 
But this issue of the Sabbath became one of the major contention points with the Pharisees and the the religious leaders. You see, what Jesus was saying was radically different. Now, as I pointed out last time, this is in fact Luke's rendition of what we know from Matthew chapter 5 of the Sermon on the Mount. In the context here, Jesus has just selected his disciples out of the mass of people who were following. He's now chosen 12. And increasingly what we see from this midpoint of his earthly ministry onwards, he's increasingly speaking into the lives of these 12 men. In fact, when we get to the last year, he leaves the crowds behind to major on the 12. He wants them to understand his lifestyle manifesto. He wants them to know that if they're going to be who he wants them to be and to do what he's calling them to do, they will live differently. Hey, still true today, isn't it? If we're going to say, I belong to Jesus. If we're going to say, I'm a disciple of Jesus, there is a call upon us to live differently. So let's just reflect a little bit more about this setting into which Jesus was speaking. From the very outset, Jesus was speaking relationship into a context that was religion. You see, religion says, if you do this, and if you do that, and if you do that, God will be pleased with you and keep off your back. Well, frankly, God doesn't want to be on our backs. He wants relationship of such depth and such level that out of the depth of that life-changing relationship, our lives will be changed. He was challenging these Pharisees and scribes who said, your righteousness depends upon adhering to this set of rules. I remember going to the college library one day uh, when I was a student to look at the Mishnah and the Talmud. The Mishnah is a book about yay thick. The Talmud's worse. And these were the books that were written in the intertestamental period by the Pharisees and the religious leaders to tell you how to live out the law. I mean, every possible issue of life was covered, but it was all about do this, don't do that. Jesus took it at a different point. For if we look... At this passage we read or looked at a few minutes ago, what did Jesus say? The good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in his heart, the evil man out of the evil things stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now, what Jesus was saying when he took up the issue of the heart wasn't somehow new radical teaching. It was just teaching that had been forgotten. If we remember in uh, 
Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said this, Do not think I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come to fulfill them. In fact, to the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and all that crowd, Jesus was brushing aside all of their law and all of their practice. Somehow they saw him as being anti the realities that they held. But in fact, Jesus was saying, hang on guys, let's go back into the real law. And from beginning to end of the Old Testament, you listen to this, what's the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. There, the very first statement of the law, love the Lord your God. It's a heart statement. We come to Samuel and the selection of of the new king after God has grieved that he made Saul king. And what does he say to Samuel? The Lord does not look on the things people look at. The Lord, a man looks at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. David, after his dramatic moral failure, when he comes into that place of repentance, in Psalm 51 and verse 8, he says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. You're more interested in what's going on in here. Psalm 139 and verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and see if there is any anxious way in me. And I love the little verse from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, that says, Above all else, guard well your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Mm. What Jesus was talking was not some new, dramatically different teaching. What he was teaching was indeed the fulfillment of the Old Testament teaching. But somehow, the legal people of the day couldn't get it. You see, for Jesus and for our Father God, it is always an issue of the heart. Now, with that, we we step back into this passage in Luke. And I'm particularly focusing on the first verses, verse 43 to 45. And as we know, Jesus was a powerful teacher. And one of the ways he related, remember, he is relating not to educated people like us. He is relating to people, the women who would have all been illiterate because it was not considered appropriate to educate a woman, the men would have had the most basic level education in the local synagogue. And so apart from those who went on to become scholars, Jesus was not talking to a highly educated community. He was talking to a rural community who lived in abject poverty. So he took the pictures that were around things to which they could relate. And so he talks about a tree. Hey, you know how it is? that if you get a good tree, 
you're going to get good fruit from it. And if you've got a tree that's got a problem in its core, you're not going to get good fruit from it. You can see all the people saying, yep, 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 we understand that one. He says, well, it's the same way with us people. A good man will bring the good things out of the good stored up in his heart. A wicked man will bring wicked things out of the wickedness stored up in his heart. Whenever I read this, I think of a guy who I had the misfortune to encounter in my teenage years working in an architectural office in Brisbane. And it was my responsibility as the junior in the office to make visits to the land titles office before we could go ahead and do the plans up for anything. And the guy, I'll tell you how long this ago, there was a lift driver who sort of had to move the, the lever up or down. There's only some people here can remember that, you know, as old as I am. This guy, frankly today, he wouldn't last five minutes in his job. He had the most putrid mouth. And, and, and you got in and, and it just flowed with evil the entire time, all day long. didn't matter when you got in that lift. What was he showing? He was showing that deep within himself there was a root of corruption and wickedness and evil. Today, as I say, he'd be gone in five minutes. But back then, it didn't happen. The evil that is within will come out. The good that is within, will come out. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or, the way you live will reflect who you really are in the deepest places of your life. You get it? The things we do in the day-to-day will reflect the reality. And as I'll say, show you in a moment or two, so often that is so subconscious that we don't even realize it. This is a challenge here for every one of us. What does the overflow of my life in the day-to-day reveal about the true state of my heart? What does the overflow of your life in the regular encounters that you have every day reveal about the true state of your heart? What do the words we speak reveal about us? What do the attitudes we express towards others reveal about us? What do the secret actions, those things that nobody else sees, what do they reveal about our character? Integrity is who we are when no one's looking. What is revealed about our integrity. And these are all issues which reveal the true state of our heart. You know, I can't preach on a subject like this without sitting down before the Lord and having a good conversation with Him about what's going on. And yesterday morning, uh, I took time to just go into my study and sit down and have a good hour or so and say to the Lord, What have you got to say to me before I dare to get up and say anything to anyone else? What have you got to say to me? Because, see, like all of you, I am all too aware of the things that go on inside me at times, the thoughts 
the attitudes, the actions that uh, are less than desirable. We can all agree with that? Yeah, it happens. And sometimes we all need to stop and say, Lord, what do you see? And I guess when I look at myself, I tend to examine my heart through the filter of what I would call the superficial ruffles. You know, the things that go on in the day-to-day, here, here, here. Oh, what are they pointing to about the true state of my heart? But The Lord said something to me yesterday that I found very interesting. He said to me, sure, there's some superficial stuff that ruffles the surface at times, but the core of your heart is strong. The core of your heart is strong. Wow, that's an encouraging word from above. It was a fresh insight. You see, whereas I tend to look at the surface ruffles and question what's deeper, he looks and says, but I know what drives you. I know what motivates you. Yes, there are the superficial ruffles there at time, but they are to be forgiven to be faced, to be finished. Yes, there are the superficial things, but the core values that we have in our hearts, those things which drive us and motivate us and are the unshakable things, this is the work of grace that he has done within us. Okay? What is grace? Grace is the empowering presence of Christ within us that enables us to be who he created us to be and to do what he's called us to do. That's grace. And it's this grace, it's this empowering presence of Christ within us which is changing us at the core. Because we are human, there will be those ruffles on the surface. That's the struggle between the old nature and the new nature. And sadly, it will go on as long as we are flesh and blood. Oh, if only we could be like some of those 19th century uh, spiritualists who hypothesized that it was a place and a possibility to come to sinless perfection. Yeah, well, I guess we know they didn't have it right, don't we? But there, deep within, is the truth of what he wants to do. For from the overflow of what has been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit, will be heard by your words. Still deeper. No matter what the actions and words, we all leave behind an aroma. And I don't mean that one. I mean the aroma of our personality. I can remember taking, Glenda and I taking a colleague with us to Africa on one occasion to teach. And... Uh, you know, if we'd realized some of the things that were going on in his life at the moment, we wouldn't have taken him. What he was saying when he was up here was absolutely fine. Couldn't fault it. But I said to him later, you know what? What you left behind absolutely stunk. 
Fortunately, we're still very good friends and I could talk that straight to him. And he said, yes, I know. See, if we allow the superficial stuff to take its roots too deep, what comes out will be contaminated because we can't hide the stuff that's deep inside. It hangs around regardless and every one of us will leave behind us some kind of aroma. The question is, what is the aroma we are leaving? In, in our ministry in the nations, there's a little statement, and you've probably heard me use it before. You teach what you know, you impart who you are. I remember our dear principal from theological college, Dr. Ted Gibson, incredible theologian, amazing man of God, not the world's most wonderful teacher. It was not unusual to finish a a one-hour lecture and have only two or three lines of scratched notes. Yet that man imparted stuff into my life that I remember to this day. The power of his life in mine was the power of who he was as a man in God. You see, what sticks, and this is what I say to people who come with us uh, into the nations, what will stick in the lives of people is not necessarily the words you teach, but the realities, the values, the attitudes that are at the core of your being. For it is out of those that come the transactions of every day. At this season of my life, I'm consciously seeking to relate more and more to non-Christian people. One of the challenges of being a pastor is I've been around the kingdom all for the last 50 years and when you do the kind of work we do you spend a lot of your time most of your time with Christians so I'm consciously trying to spend more time with people who are not because I want to sow some of his life but I have to be so careful as I relate to them because I know it's not just the words I speak it's the attitudes of the heart for it's out of the fullness of the heart that the mouth speaks. The question I constantly ask myself and I ask you to ask, what is the deposit you are leaving? Listen to these words from 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. God always makes his grace visible in Christ who includes us as partners in his endless triumph. Through our yielded lives, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. We have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the anointed one. To God, a perfume of life to those who are being saved and an odor of death to those who are perishing. The unbelievers smell a deadly stench that leads to death, but believers smell a life-giving aroma that leads to abundant life. Who of us are equal to that challenge? Hmm. And so, dear friends, as I draw this message to a close, my encouragement to you today is this. Is there a deeper work that God wants to do at the core of your being? How willing 
are we to let him do that? To strengthen the core to shape it more and more into the likeness of Jesus. His desire is to shape us more and more so that we can be instruments of his love and his beauty, that we can leave behind us wherever we go the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus. This is not the words we speak. Sometimes we walk away and say, oh, could I have said something there? You know, Nine times out of ten, it's not appropriate to say a thing. Our words can possibly get in the way. But if it is this aroma, this fragrance that comes from the core of our being, he can use that. And I'm watching people with whom I'm relating, people I know who in the past have put up brick walls against the things of God, starting to open little cracks and tell me little things that says, oh, Something's happening here. Patience. Letting God. You see, his gracious work in our heart will take time. And I encourage you, seek his presence in daily submission. Draw on his word. Let it refresh your spirit. Take those times to listen to his voice and say, Lord, what are you saying to me about these issues in my life? Because it's out of that intimacy we will find our hearts changed, find them renewed, until it can be said of us, here is a good man, here is a good woman who brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart. Truly, out of the overflow of the heart, their mouths speak. But guess what? It's all an issue of the heart. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, how we thank you. that Your word is just so applicable to me, to every one of us. Lord, how I pray that you in your grace, you in your love, you in your mercy will take us. Take us deeper. Do a deeper work there in the core of who we are. For it's from there that you can deal with the superficial stuff. We thank you for the grace that works out your way in us day after day. To you be the glory, Lord Jesus. In your name. Amen.